Hi, folks. Steve Urban here. Today's episode of the Rutterflex podcast is sponsored by Marketing 360. My good friend J.B. Kellogg and his team do such a fantastic job for us and so many other companies. Marketing 360 is the number one platform for small business, and it's everything you need to grow your business. If you need marketing support, I really encourage you to contact them at marketing360.com slash writerflex, and we'll add that link to the description of this episode for easy reference. Really excited about this episode of the Writerflex podcast. We had guest Ashley Crowder on the show. She's the co-founder and CEO of Ventana. That's V-N-T-A-N-A. I think you'll enjoy her inspirational journey as she takes you from departing her job at BP as an engineer to selling sunglasses as a side hustle to movie theaters and then working as a light jockey for a club before meeting her co-founder and starting Ventana. If you haven't heard of them yet, they're a SaaS company that brings products to life from design to 3D shopping across web, augmented, and virtual reality platforms in minutes rather than weeks. Ashley Crowder on the Rider Flex podcast. How are you doing, Ashley? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. I, I'm uh, glad that, or at least I feel like we're on the back end of the coronavirus situation. It feels like it's fourth quarter, doesn't it? Kind of? I hope. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I mean, if we look at China as kind of the first people, it, it seems like we'll get opened up. But, I, you know, I worry about like the fall, people saying it coming back. Um, so I think, you know, until we have a vaccine, I don't think we're going to go back to life as normal. as, as Life, right. <laughs> By the way, for the listeners, uh, in case you're listening to this next year, we're recording this episode on May 12th, 2020. It's been an interesting uh, 60 days or so for everybody. <laughs> Have you been out of the house? Have you been out of the house much at all? Not really. So I told you, actually, I got COVID in March. And so I was sick for a while. And I was just really, even when I felt better, I was afraid that I was still carrying it and could give it to people, right? So I didn't leave my apartment at all for at least a month, um, yeah. except to go to the doctor, because, yeah, I just was afraid to give it to people. So luckily, I work so much that it's, it's fine. <laughs> I work in the virtual reality space. So I meet people in VR on Wednesday nights. We, we go to virtual bars. Uh, cool. where we fake drink. Uh, you know, I'm on Zoom meetings all day. So really... <laughs> My life is pretty good. <laughs> and yeah, it was, so it was, yeah, it was very, uh, did you have an office where everybody gathered or are you guys 100% virtual? I can't remember. We did. So we did have an office uh, in Los Angeles and we have actually decided to, since we don't need one, so right. we're, we're going to stay remote. Um, we are part of the Verizon 5G lab in Los Angeles, which is awesome. So Verizon has this beautiful office space that we can use if we want to. Sweet. Um, yeah, and so it was kind of like, why, why are we paying for this office? We don't need when we also have free office space. That's cooler. So, by the way, by the way, not to bum out everybody that's in commercial real estate listening to this episode, but if I were in commercial real estate, I'd be selling it all right now. <laughs> I just I worry about these guys with these office buildings, right? I think more and more people are going to go remote. Not to go down a rabbit hole, but I just feel like I don't know. We're one hundred percent virtual. The Riderflex too. I mean, we didn't we didn't have an office even before the situation. So yeah, for us, we weren't really affected with our day to day activity. Uh, our clients were, but the, we were already we were already virtual. I mean, with today's next technology, which we're about to get into with some of the stuff you guys do. I mean, right? I mean, I got the fake. I got the nice Riderflex background. You got the Ventana yeah. background, right? We're all looking at professional. Yeah. So before we get into Ventana. Tell us about Ashley a little bit. You know, what's the Ashley story? Where'd she grow up? Give us some family stuff. Tell us about you a little bit. Yeah, um, so I grew up in Virginia near DC. Uh, so it's the DC metropolitan area. And, you know, I, I always loved math and science and I hated writing so much. Um, so that's kind of why I ended up becoming an engineer. <laughs> it's great, it's a great option. Um, you know, I, I had an older brother, so, you know, I was always 
trying to be one of the guys, I guess. My dad was an electrician um, who started his own construction company when I was in first grade. So I was on the weekends, I was riding in his truck to job sites. You know, I cool. grew up with construction workers. I always wanted to figure out how to build things, love that. So, you know, I think that kind of propelled me in a career that was typically more male dominated and I'm the type of person if anyone tells me I can't do something I'm definitely going to do it so my that's, poor that's, mother <laughs> oh, oh did, did your mom did your somebody tell you you couldn't be an engineer <laughs> no they, they wanted me to be an engineer but oh, you know okay. just growing up like I you know I was a very competitive gymnast too so you know gym class I remember in elementary school you know the girls can't do pull-ups so really I'm going to do 30 and I'm gonna <laughs> you know like it, it was I love it bothered me you know it's always kind of what got me to be competitive and to want to win you know and mm-hmm. know I can do that too that's just kind of how I am super competitive and an athlete through high school too yeah so I, I was a, a very serious gymnast you know trained like 15 20 hours a week since like kindergarten um until 10th grade I shattered my elbow um, which at the time I was like, my career's over, but I was 15. And so I was already kind of old to be a gymnast anyways. <laughs> uh, and so to be honest, it, it was one of the best things that ever happened. I, I started having, you know, more close friends in high school, you know, doing more fun high school things. I wasn't right. training all the time. So. Right, right, right. I gotcha. Okay. So one brother, dad was an electrician, then started his own construction company. So you had the entrepreneurial bug a little bit early on, right? Oh, yeah. I always wanted to start my own company. Um, and I have two younger sisters. Oh. We, you know, we would be out selling granola bars on the bike trail, you know, always like trying to flip a profit somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> now, were you uh, the leader of the four children? Were you the one like, hey, look, come, we're going this way. Like, come on, follow me. How'd that go? Yeah, well, my my brother's a lot older than me. Um, so, you know, when I got into real trouble, I just call him and he'd pretend to be my dad. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, I owe Pretty him cool. a lot, uh, and then and then yeah. So he he was in you know he's sixteen years older than me. Um, oh. so then so I really kind of like living with my sisters growing up more. Um, but we're all we're all super close. But you know you you get closer as you get older when you're you know, the age gap. Seems now I gotta ask, I gotta ask you about the sixteen year gap. I don't know how much you want to share, but what your are your mom and dad? They had one child, and then like a decade and a half later, they're like, oh, let's have three more. <laughs> I think my dad never wanted any kids and he got four, but, (laughs) uh, no, I mean, my, my brother's my, he's my half brother. He's my dad's son. Um, but you know, I mean, he's my brother, like we're super tight. Um, and, uh, yeah, even in my sister-in-law, I mean, they dated since high school. So I know I knew her my whole life, you know, we've all been really close. So very cool. Okay, cool. All right. So you had the entrepreneurial bug, but you obviously wanted to go to college. Now, you grew up on the East Coast. How did you pick USC? Uh, how did the California thing happen? Yeah, it was like as far away as possible. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I wanted an adventure. Uh, um, I uh, applied and got in and was like, wow, this school seems great. It's in Los Angeles. It has a great engineering school. Um, yeah, and it just sounded like a fun adventure. Had, had you been to California? Or just the first time you went there is when you went out to see the school? Um, I had been once as a kid. We did a road trip from like Phoenix to Tijuana and drove through California. And then, yeah, after I got in, then I went and visited. So not really. And then you went to visit the campus and you're like, it's 72 and like sunny and perfect. Yes, I want to go to school here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like I I always wanted to go to California. I don't know why that had been in my head. Um, you know, but it, it worked out and, and really USC just has, they are a very entrepreneurial school and there's so much they do mm-hmm. to help with, they call the Trojan network, it's a little cultish, but you know, it's, it, people are yeah. willing to make intros for you and help. And they've got, you know, it wasn't there when I was in school, but now they have, um, like funding for startups, like oh. seed funding, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, it just, it ended up being, you know, an awesome school for me. Very good. Okay. So you, you get out of school. Um, walk us through some of your, your early career before Ventana. Go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think like most 
because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I knew I liked engineering and liked building things, but I also wanted to be more creative. And so I would have, you know, I would interned at Gulfstream uh, trying to fix or paint abatement system. And then I interned at MTV. And then I went Sweet. and heard that North of Grumman and, um, you know, worked on the F-35 team for the it's their jet that takes off vertically, flies at supersonic speeds. Okay. You know, interesting, but then I didn't like the bureaucracy of, you know, it's very bureaucratic, kind of like, because it's government contracts, it's very oh, slow right, moving. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I kind of bounced around going from like creative MTV to these engineering jobs back to like, I worked for a fashion company for a summer, um, just couldn't really find what I was looking for. Um, so when it was time to graduate, I, I wanted to get a good paying job. So I worked for British Petroleum for three and a half years. Um, nice. Great, yeah. great, 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 great first job out of college, right? I mean, wow. Yeah, the first year is the oil spill. <laughs> was it? Oh, two, was yeah. that 2009? Okay, that was 2000. I forgot what year that was. Wow. All right. Yeah. So. <laughs> so that was kind of crazy. Um, then, you know, I worked at the refinery for, I mean, I learned a lot. I, you know, I was one of four planners at the refinery. Um, you, you pretty much work 24 seven. I mean, cause the refinery goes 24 seven, you're on call all the time. If fires happen, if things break, you got to figure out how we're going to fix it. So it was exciting in that sense. It really pushed me. I learned a lot. Um, you know, I was also, you know, a young woman trying to get things to happen in a very male dominated workforce. Um, but I guess it's like my whole career. Um, <laughs> But so, yeah, I just, I learned a lot about leadership, how to get things done in a big organization, but yeah, it wasn't what I wanted to do forever. I, I think I saw a picture of you in a hard hat, hard hat and one of those suits they make you wear or something somewhere online. I I, saw, I found it somewhere. I can't remember, but anyway. Yeah, they're fine. You, you need to wear like a fireproof onesie, hard hat, I had gas masks, you know, depending on what we were doing that day. <laughs> um, I, I worked one summer in the refineries down in Houston, Texas, uh, for a company that stress tested uh, welds on pipes. Now, before that, all I had done was a, be a retail clerk at a convenience store during high school and college. But one summer I thought I was gonna go work in the refinery. And I was down there for about 30 days. And on that fourth week, in the Houston, humid, 100 degrees, standing next to a pipe that's 700 degrees, with some sort of suit on, trying to wrap some stuff around the pipe. I was like, okay, yeah, I don't want to do this for a living. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that fireproof material, it does not breathe and it's hot in the summer and somehow it does not keep you warm when it's cold either. It yeah. just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, you, but you stayed for three years now. That Now, during that time, were you having this like, damn, what do, what do I really want to do? Like the whole time you were there, you're like, what do I really want to do? Or or did you have an idea? Talk Talk to me about that. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure, you know, I was kind of um, looking at different things. I, I had met um, right before then or early on, I had met my co my now co-founder of Ventana because um, we both were importing glasses from China and reselling them. like for on, on, the, on the side, on the side. Yeah, and so that's how we met. I was doing that while I was at the refinery and- um, hold, yeah, on, hold on, hold on, hold, hold on, I gotta, <laughs> hold on. Sunglasses or glass? What What do you mean? You said glasses. Sunglasses or what? I was I was importing um, sunglasses and 3D glasses to sell to movie theaters because lots of movie theaters were doing 3D at the time. And uh, my co-founder, he had been importing sunglasses and USC colors that just said game day so you didn't have to pay for any licensing fees. Um, and our mutual friends were like, who does this? You need to meet each other. So that's how we met. We both were. Wow. Wow. I can just, I, I can just almost imagine I'm the movie theater manager and a BP engineer comes up to me and says, Hey, I got these cool sunglasses. You guys need some. That goes back to, it goes back to the granola bars. You and your sisters with the granola bars. Same thing. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. It, so I think that says a lot about you. I mean, the reason I paused you right there is because I think that says a lot about you. As an engineer at BP with a master's degree, you're you're you were not fulfilled totally, right? There was something in your gut, something in you that this, this desire and passion 
for the entrepreneurial spirit where you just had to feed that. And, and your way to do that at the time was the, was the sunglasses thing, right? I mean, I think, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, does that sound right? Yeah, exactly. It was, it was like a fun project for me and, and it kind of led me to meet my co-founder Ben and then we were always cool. throwing around business ideas. And, you know, cool. then uh, at that time in my life, you know, I was single, you know, no boyfriend, no kids, no mortgage, um, had a lot kind of going on um, with my family I needed to take care of. And I think okay. when any, when anything big happens in your life or, or you're worried about family members or, or stuff, it, it kind of makes you relook at your whole life and say, you know, I'm spending all my days doing this. Why? Mm -hmm. um, and so really kind of made me rethink and say, you know what, now's the time I like, I ended up taking a leave of absence from BP and then I, I just never went back. Um, but to take care of some family stuff and then kind of just, I got a job at a nightclub on the weekends. Uh, so I, I could work weekends and, uh, it was one of the most fun jobs I ever had. I was programming light shows for DJs, which was great. What, I, was that, was that like on, was that like on Craigslist or something like light programmer for DJs? Like, how'd you even find that? <laughs> no, so it was actually really funny. I like I had never worked in a restaurant before. I need I needed to make extra money because like I I wasn't at BP, and a friend was working at this. It was like a restaurant in the bottom and a club in the top. Okay. And they're like, we need a hostess, and I was like, sure. I've never done that. Um, was not very good at it. <laughs> I like I actually got a bad Yelp review, and my mom was like, who is this hostess? And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't good at it, but I. Uh, computer problems like they had computer issues and I was okay that. and the guy and they were like well we need help upstairs with the club lights and so anyways I like that was you're like, you're like okay so, <laughs> yeah. so the next thing you know you're upstairs working on the lights just like that you went from hostess to, to okay I can almost see you as a hostess you're you're like you you're sitting over here come on follow me like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm too direct of a person. I wasn't good with the it was It's not my calling. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can see that. I can see, yeah, I can sense that. Yeah, sorry. So now you're upstairs. All of a sudden, you're like helping DJs with lights and stuff. Okay, this is a fascinating story. All right. Yeah, it, was finally, it was finally a combination of engineering and art uh, and creative that I, oh, I feel oh. like I had always been looking for. You I know, see. Between the internship at MTV and then Northrop Grumman and that this kind of right. finally combines that. And, um, you know, I was making minimum wage, you know, nothing. Um, but, but, but I, loving I, it. I loved, loving yeah, it. I loved it. And I was really talking with the DJs, you know, at the time, no one was making money selling records anymore. They were only making money doing live shows. And so I said, okay, well, what if you could do 10 shows at the same time? Um, we can live stream your shows. We can recreate the same light show. It's all programmed. And I was like, no offense. No one cares if you're there. It was a light show, um, you know, and uh, that's, that's kind of where Ventana initially started and then uh -huh. people wanted holograms. And so we, we could do that. And we did our first hologram of Nikki Romero for Kia cars. Um, this is before, right before Nikki Romero got really big. Uh, you know, he's since become a top 10 DJ. Okay. And uh, we somehow pulled that off. We built it with Home Depot parts. And um, that's, <laughs> that's kind of how it started. And, and then we got our first investors from that. Um, and we, you know, this was eight years ago. So this is before there were VR headsets on the market. This is before phones could do augmented reality. So we were, we were doing these location-based mixed reality experiences. What does that um, mean? What does that mean, mixed reality experience? Go ahead. Yeah, so we had hardware to project a digital image in our environment. So kind of like, okay. say you hold up your phone and you can see like a Pokemon Go. Um, we were doing that, but with like a giant clear screen. So it looked like that DJ was on stage or it looked like that hologram logo was floating there um, in our environment. And so, you know, we built a profitable company doing that. All of our, all of our clients were brands though, not DJs. We learned very quickly brands are who pay for concerts right. they're, they're the money behind that right right um, so we said what else do you guys want to do you're paying us so what else do you want to do with this technology we built and um they wanted to engage consumers and so we we started doing lots of holograms of executives and celebrity endorsement deals and then of course products and when it came to their products nobody had the right 3d files you needed to do this sort of thing 
Um, And it kind of reminds me, you know, in the 80s, we went from film to digital transition. Uh Okay. And so now in the past 10 years, we've, we've started this transition of digital to CGI or 3D. Like the shoe behind me, that's uh-huh. CGI. That's not a photo. Uh, this was done with our software, with, with 3D see. software. Okay. Um, and so we ended up having to create all this software to easily create you know, the holograms of products for these like location-based experiences. But then now that web can support 3d and phones can do augmented reality there, there's all these other needs for these 3d assets so that led us to where we are today it's a crazy long story of um licensing our software so people can easily create 3d models of their products and put them on their website have augmented reality built in so you can hold up your phone and see that shoe overlaid on your foot or that patio furniture you know in your yard um and then even drop it into to virtual reality. I see. Okay, so I'm going to back up just a tad. So the software, so it's a SaaS company now, basically. Yeah. Okay, so the software originally you built because you needed it for yourself to do these holograms. And then at some point you're like, wait a minute, our business is actually the software and selling the software service. That's how it happened. Exactly. So you, there, there were yeah. several, there were a few pivots in there along the way as Ventana grew. Is that, is that right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, you know, it started as music. Brands were the ones paying us for the hologram concerts. So we very quickly said, what else do you want to pay for? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, you know, events and events are great because they pay you cash up 50% cash up front, 50% cash on the events. That's how we're able to operate profitably for a number of years. We didn't have to raise the same amount of venture capital that like other you know, Silicon Valley startups would have to. Yeah, great. Um, and then, you know, we, we kept kind of plugging away at this content problem. And really last year is when we decided, we're like, now's the time, you know, Facebook has launched their AR advertising. Google has launched Google Swirl. So you can advertise in 3D on Google, which most people don't realize. Snap mm. Lens is now everywhere. So I can, I'm actually using Snap Lens now. So these oh, are- Oh, cool. Oh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> With our software and dropped them into Snap Lens. So we just oh. saw this huge need. And so last year we decided, you know, this is the future of the company. We need to open up our software, license it to people. And then- the really crazy thing is COVID. I mean, uh, no one saw that coming. Every retailer became a direct-to-consumer brand overnight, right? There's no <laughs> exactly. Source. Yeah, yep. it, it's all online. So how do you give consumers confidence in buying, you know, with just online? Well, having a 3D version of your product has proven to double conversion rates as opposed to just a 2D image because people yep. have a better understanding. And then if you can actually do virtual try-on, like, if, you know, these glasses on my face or yeah. shoes on my feet, I like companies it. like Owls have seen 11X increase in revenue, which is crazy. Like That, that is, I mean, so is apparel, are apparel companies and shoe companies your, your primary customer right now or your primary target? Um, yeah, we work with a lot of like fashion, accessories, right. and furniture. I'd say lots of furniture. Oh, for, oh well. yeah. right, 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 right. Okay. So the difference between the pictures that I see on Amazon, where you can like click on the front, back, and whatever, the difference in now is I can actually take your use your software from the retailer I'm buying. So the retailer is using your software so that I can put that couch in my living room and look at it, yeah. and and change colors. Yeah, and and we. It's one thing, you know, you could hire an agency to do that tomorrow with, with one couch. Like they could do it manually. It costs a lot of money. It would take a while. Our okay. software automates it. So we, we can help companies do it at scale. So when we talk to Adidas, they, they launch 25,000 products a year. So when you talk about, you can't do that manually. You need a software solution like ours to, to automate see. that. I see. And, and it's a license they buy. What is it like? Uh, ha, what's the business model? Is it like, Hey, you can have one of your marketing people use a license or how do you, how do you sell that? What's the model? Yeah. We just charge based on the number of files that you upload. The number um, of so, files. I see. Yeah. So if you're a smaller company and you only have, you know, you, you sell 25 products, you know, you're, you're on the $75 a month plan. It's very doable. If you are in 25,000 products a year, that's a more like enterprise level license. 
I see. Is this proprietary, like protected stuff? I mean, are you, you going to have people copy this and all of a sudden you got 10 people doing the same thing? Talk to me about that. Yeah. So um, when we look at the competitive space, uh, we look at, you know, Sketchfab and CG Trader. They're two companies that okay. they looked at this problem and they created a marketplace. So I can go on there and buy a random 3D tennis shoe I need for my game if I'm, if I'm building a 3D game. And, I or I can go on and hire a 3D artist in India because they're less expensive than a 3D artist in LA. Okay. But there's still that time associated. We looked at this and said there, there needs to be an enterprise solution because Adidas is not going to put their Yeezy shoe on there. Um, and so we're kind of more that enterprise solution. Uh, we've got, you know, seven patents issued, 14 filed around. Nice, nice. Yeah, around our different, um, you know, our differences and, and what we've thought about how this you know our algorithms work basically um and that's a fun story so jim our, our patent attorney he's great uh i met him because we were first starting the company um i just like went back to usc and like sat in on mba classes i didn't i was like i don't need an mba i just like need more information so <laughs> and in my mind i was like i've already paid for right for a master's in engineering they won't care um <laughs> so i just like went to a few classes and this one had this guest speaker uh who was jim who's an ip attorney at the time for cisco and i just had like a million questions and he's like what are you building and i was like come to our office come see it so like me and ben my co-founder like showed jim our holograms everything we we're doing and he was like i don't this like i think you guys have something here i want to help and and he really became our first advisor uh wow. so jim has helped us do all of our nice. patents um which is incredible he's since started his own firm called Bempy Ventures, like trying to, you know, help more startups and stuff, but. Was it a trade of services? Was it like, hey, well, you, you get the patents for us, I'll give you a little bit of equity. <laughs> yeah, no, no, really. I mean, yeah, we, we gave him equity, but he, you know, he, he was awesome. Like he, he did, he's gone so above and beyond. Um, That's I would great. say every startup should be wary of someone who like just straight up asked for equity in the beginning. Like it was never weird. Like he never did that. It just, uh -huh. it just kind of happened organically um good advice good 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 advice yeah wait for it to happen organically and see what they're contributing yeah. you know see if are right. they truly going to contribute yeah that's big so did you so you didn't at first you bootstrapped it and you had revenue right away even back when it was just holograms and live events i mean you had the you had revenue in the beginning so you didn't have to raise a bunch of cash in the beginning you just bootstrapped it and, and used that cash is that right yeah, we bootstrapped for a long time. Um, we did raise about like two million in seed funding, uh, like what? along the way. Oh, okay. Uh, which which allowed us to kind of get bigger and and you know add some more yeah. tech, add, hire some more people we needed to because we couldn't keep up with with everything we were doing. Um, and that kind of led us to this past year where we said, look, now's the time for this software. This is the the bigger win. Uh, this is a bigger opportunity for the company. Um, and so we did raise just at the end of last year, um, about $5 million to be able to grow nice. the, the software. Side. Was that your, was that your series a, so to speak, or was it, I, still, would you... I'm so, I like hate all the terms. I'm like, right. We call, we call it the lightning round. Like that's what, <laughs> that's I, what I call it. Uh, uh, but yeah, so I guess. That's our series. <laughs> I was just talking to another entrepreneur from New York. He owns another company. I won't mention the company, but he was like, he's like, I don't know, bro. It's like series E, whatever. I don't keep up. With it. I just, I needed cash. We raised some cash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, hey, great for you. Um, what's it, what's it, was it difficult for you on the cash raise? Is that hard for you? Did you find that? like, oh, I hate doing this or natural for you. Talk to us about raising cash a little bit for those entrepreneurs out there that are, are in a situation now where they need to raise a, a good amount. Just give them, give them a little bit of advice and what it was like for you, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, I learned everything the hard way. I had no background <laughs> in any of this, right? I'd, I'd studied engineering for a long time and at nightclubs. So, um, <laughs> and my, my co-founder, he majored in business, but you really, the the smartest people I know will get a job as an analyst at a VC firm out of college, work there mm. for one to two years, mm. meet people, understand how it works, and then go start their company. Um, mm. You know, okay. I've seen, and, and them, 
they have a much easier time raising money. They know what investors want to see. They already have those relationships because so much of it is about relationships. They want to know who you are and trust you. And they want to see you go from point A to point B and maybe to point C. So that's why it takes time because you have to prove to them, you know, I'm, I'm here the day you meet me, but look at all these milestones I've made. And so yeah. you believe that I'm going to meet these other milestones. And, and you didn't do any of those things. You just were like, Hey, I've never done this before, but I need you to give me cash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, I had some great mentors along the way. Um, Tilt Ventures was one of the first uh, funds to kind of, they kind of like led our, our seed round um, with Paradigm yeah. Talent Agency and uh, you know, Lawrence Anton at Paradigm, he came and saw us and was like, well, this is pretty amazing. You built this with Home Depot parts. Like, I wonder what you can do with money. Um, and then me uh, <laughs> as a partner at Tilt, who's still like a great friend and, and mentor. And she was like, no one knows who you are. You need to go out. You need to meet people. You need to go to these events. You know, it was, it was like the networking side that I didn't really ever think about prior to that. Um, so, so yeah, they, they really helped and, and I learned a lot along the way and you know, I joined a lot of, you know, women's groups that kind of help make those connections. Um, cause you know, historically, you know, I think women are only getting 4% of all venture capital. Funding. Somebody else, somebody else gave me a stat like that recently. Uh, uh, uh another, another entrepreneur. Uh, yeah. It was a super low stat like that. I was like, wow, that's crazy. That's a crazy stat. I had no idea it was that low. That's crazy. Yeah. For you, for you, um, I call it, I call it shaking hands and kissing babies a little bit, the networking related, if like, like for you, like, is that tough for you? Like for you, like, okay, I can do this if I need to, but it's not my favorite. <laughs> I, I just, I just like made myself, you know, I'm going to go to one or two events a week. And if I'm there, I'm going to pass out five business cards. I just had to make it like a very, like, I can't leave till I do this, <laughs> you know? Um, and it, <laughs> And it gets easier. I mean, now within within the three D AR VR space, I mean, there's such great people. I, I you know over the past eight years, it really is this amazing group of friends that I have that we yeah. all are in the space. And then you you make friendships that you you know never would have met these people otherwise. And they're the people I meet in VR every Wednesday night. So it's, that's cool. It, it really is fun. It's become family. how how many employees today? Uh, we have fifteen. 15 employees. That's the other thing we didn't talk about. You had to kind of learn how to be a CEO along the way and hire people and candidates and all that while you were learning how to raise cash and run a company and build a SaaS company. <laughs> you know, yeah, when it comes to hiring, what kind of, are you trying to build a specific culture? Have you, have you thought about that? Are you, are you into the, all the, you know, the missions, the values and, and a specific culture? What do you, you know, what, talk to us a little bit about what you're trying to put together there with your people. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you, you need to have a specific culture in mind. I would a thousand times hire the right attitude over the perfect resume. Um, you know, bingo, bingo. We, we learned it the hard way in the beginning and now we have a much better method to, to really, you know, we have, part of it is we now have a structured process. We, we do like three different interviews. Um, we have this list of questions. We go through everyone. It's just, so you can really compare apples to apples with people um, yeah. and just, just have this structured process, which has helped a lot. And culture is everything. I mean, I'd, I'd say at Ventana, we're real believers in I don't care what school you went to or what your resume says as much as like, show me what you've built. Like we're very portfolio focused ah. and we've hired a number of people who might've dropped out of college or never went to college, but they taught them to like, Claire's our front end developer. She dropped out of med school because she realized she really didn't want to be a doctor and taught herself coding and she's been incredible. Oh, you know, wow. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. She's amazing. <laughs> um, and then, you know, our creative director, dropped out of college because he was like, I'm already doing work and getting paid for it. I don't need to <laughs> be here. And he had this, you know, amazing portfolio of beautiful work. And that's, you know, I'd rather see that of you actually creating something that I can look at. Um, mm. And right now, I mean, we are, we are actually hiring in this crazy time. Uh, we're, we're hiring Good. for a 3d technical artist. So nice. That's another nice. one where, you know, just show me what you've, you've created. And 
the fact that you're growing during this time is so awesome. I love the fact that you have identified exactly the type of person you're looking for and you, you build that kind of, that kind of culture. That's awesome. Um, I can, I can appreciate that. Riderflex is the same. It's all about, we believe it's all about matching candidate personality to your company's culture. I just think it's absolutely critical. When people say they quit a job, if you really break down the stats and you, you break down why somebody left a company, whether they got fired or quit on their own, I don't know what the, the, the real stat is, but it's got to be it's super high, like 90% is because they just they didn't like it, they didn't, they didn't fit, they didn't like the culture, they didn't like their boss. Usually it's not because they didn't have the skill set. Usually it's not because it's very low percentage on skill set. It's because of something else, you know, whatever it might have been, something with the office politics or the style or whatever. So to your point, culture is just a absolutely critical. Is there a favorite question you like to ask? Like what's Ashley's like go-to question? Anything specific? Interviews, during interviews? You know what's in the most interesting thing? We always start out by asking people questions about high school. Oh. And it's really interesting that half the people are like love talking about it and then i've gotten people like straight up i i'm not taught what i have a phd i'm not going to talk about my high school and like yeah. the interview you... ends it's bizarre <laughs> to me you want to answer a few questions about your high school what are you hiding it's just it's really bizarre like that question just i asked how like what were your highs and lows in high school and like the reaction is so different <laughs> do, do, do you know how often at our firm Riderflex, somebody gives a bad answer like that in the first two minutes and i just want to say okay well it was nice chatting with you for two minutes interviews over yeah. <laughs> but I, I have to be a little bit careful but i want to do that all the time <laughs> yeah no no we've had someone end the interview because they were so upset that i asked about high school and i was like they I ended it they ended it and wow. i was like okay i just what were your highs and lows in high school? I just like. <laughs> I was asking you about I was asking you about employee size. So, so revenue. What I mean, I don't. You don't have to give specifics. I don't know how much you want to share. So, is it? Is it? Are you talking? Is this millions of dollars company? Fifty million? Like, where? Where? Where do you got it? Can you give us some idea? <laughs> um, so we don't disclose our revenue, um, but I will say we are in such a unique position, especially right. during this weird COVID time of the fact that every retail brand just overnight became a, a target e-commerce company. And they are all looking for better ways to show consumers their products, which 3D does and is proven to increase online conversions. So, and, and even, you know, we've talked a lot about kind of those consumer brands, but, but we're even now talking to companies that do b2b sales okay their sales people can't go to that factory and talk to the person about their product but they can send them a 3d file that they can use ar to view it in their factory and say oh yeah that'll fit here or you know it just it's it, it really can be mm -hmm. such a useful tool you know not just for retail but industrial medical you know there, there's there's all these opportunities i mean as a startup we have to stay very focused um, and from the mm. beginning, I've learned whoever's paying us first is who we're going to focus on. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, we're, we're at, we're at a really unique, um, you're, you, you touched, you touched on something there. That's good advice for the listeners. It's easy. Uh, I, th I think one of the things a good CEO needs to do is, is, is learn how to say no or, or like, Hey, like, Hey, I, we got those five projects on the board over there. Like if we add these five, five, we're going to chuck ourselves and then we're going to end up doing a bad job on 10 projects. So you, it is a matter of balancing things as you, as you see all these potentials, by the way, I was just thinking about the service piece. So the, yeah, the, the salesperson is, let's say the salesperson, she, she's pitching um, a, a part for, I don't know, a hospital room or something. And you, they can see the part in the office. And can you also hologram in? The, the salesperson, like they're standing in the room demoing the product? Um, we don't do that, but it's it's not really necessary, right? Like I oh, can just yeah. send you a link, you open your phone, you click that link, all of a sudden you're seeing that 3D machine okay. virtually in your OR, and I can be on the other end controlling, oh, like zoom in, zoom in on this point, this is what this, this aspect does, or here's this part, or oh, that's not gonna fit, let's switch to this other model. Okay. Um, so you don't, necessarily need that person there but it's it's actually being able to physically see that product 
in the room it's going to be used in. Um, so we've okay. been, yeah, we've been doing a few maps and things. When, when I when I hear the word hologram, do you know what I think of right away? Star Trek. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I was a huge fan. I was a huge fan. So uh, right away, I'm like, man, I wonder if Ashley's going to build these places where you can go and say, hey, I want to, I want to like f go fight dinosaurs. Can you like put me in a, the hologram and I want to do that? Can can you can you do that eventually? Can you build that? Um, so we will not be building that, but that it, the whole ecosystem is is getting there. So um, you have Microsoft and Intel both both working really hard on volumetric capture. So we can volumetrically capture people today, so that we could theoretically project your volumetric hologram. The problem is it's extremely expensive. You know, it's, it's about ten thousand dollars per minute of content. Um, but it'll get there, right? It'll get there. Um, and, and that's what you can put in, you know, we've got amazing virtual reality headsets and you've got Apple coming out in the next one to two years. It's kind of unknown with their headset that's supposedly gonna go from augmented reality to virtual reality, you can do both. You can pick how much digital you see. Um, so the you know, problem yeah. we wanted to solve was, okay, how do brands create how do businesses create their presence in this new spatial computer world, whether it's with a headset or phone or whatever, because it's like when the internet first started and everyone needed a website and they just put a brochure on the web and it was awful, yeah. Yeah. you know? <laughs> um, so we're, we're getting past that phase now for spatial computing, right? Like you, you can't have the brochure on the website, Azure website, you needed a cool interactive visual with videos and images. Um, so that's, you know, we're helping companies do that with their products and get their products into spatial computing. I, I thought about you last night. So, so last night, uh, my wife bought a new TV um, late last week, I guess. And uh, the TV comes in and uh, we are putting it on our current TV stand that we have. And guess what? It does not fit. And so she gets out the laptop. She's like, Hey, we need to order a new TV stand. Come here. And, and, and so I go, we're sitting on the couch and she's got the laptop open and she, we're looking at TV stands and she's browsing through the ones. She's, she's like, what do you think of this one? What do you think of that one? And we're talking about it. So guess what I do? I click on the little picture. We I'm looking at the dimensions, measuring the TV, but we don't really know what it's going to look like. Like we really don't know like what it's going to look like in the space we're planning on putting in or anything. I'm sitting here thinking, man, isn't this interesting? I'm, I'm interviewing Ashley tomorrow. If the website that I was on at the time, that retailer, if they were using your product, I could have just projected it right there and done the yeah. whole thing, right? Right? Yeah, exactly. You could have, you know, if you're looking at that website on your phone, clicked on the TV, clicked on the AR button at the top and just held up your phone and seen exactly what that TV would look like on your wall or man. wherever you're trying to put it. Perfect. See, I needed, I needed that last night. Uh, so basically every retailer is, is your client. Basically. I mean, why aren't they all calling you? Like they should all be calling you right now. <laughs> yeah. And, and we've been super busy, which is exciting. So we're, we're trying right. to get people onboarded as quick as possible. Um, awesome. You know, we are specifically trying to say, Hey, look, just send us cause, cause we know it's new for people. Send us three, three to five files. We'll do it for free. We'll show you what we're talking about. Cause I think for some people, so much of it is, I don't get it. I don't understand how this works. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll just let us show you with your product. Um, and then that kind of is like, Oh, okay, now I get it. I can show this to my boss. I can explain this and, and let's go from there. So, so now in the situation you're in, what does Ashley worry about at night when she's, laying in bed and so it's like three o'clock in the morning, your eyes pop open. What, what's Ashley stressed about right now? Um, right now we really need an amazing 3d technical artist. So that's <laughs> <laughs> um, the latest uh, urgent thing. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, also it, it is, you're always afraid of trying to boil the ocean. You know, we've talked about a lot of different possibilities. It's, you know, clothing and shoes and furniture and TVs. Um, really trying to focus on what can we do today the best and, and be the absolute best at that yep. one thing like Amazon was at books and then expand from there. What was your, did you ever have a moment early on? Cause you've been doing this for a while and you pivoted a few times. Did you have some moments where you're like, 
I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I can't, I'm talking early on first couple of years, first two, three years, you ever wake up and go, I can't, this is, I'm just going to call BB, BP back and get my refinery job back. <laughs> no, they did call me once. They really needed somebody. <laughs> I was like, no, um, no, look, it's, it's really hard. I think, um, you know, I've, I, if anything, I'm very persistent. I don't know if I'm the smartest or the best. I just am persistent. Like I, my mom always brings up this story, you know, being a gymnast, I, uh, I can never stick the double turns and my coach is like, you need to stick 10 and then you can move on. And I kept falling. And so I kept doing it and I didn't realize I like, I, I burned the skin off the bottom of my foot because I did so many double turns just trying to practice and stick it and stick it. And I had, wow. and I wasn't going to stop until I did it. And like, until I realized there was like a blood stain on the floor and I was like, Oh, okay. I need to stop. Like, that's just, I don't know. Once I get something in my head, I just have to do it and I want to win. And that's what we're going to do. So. And yeah, this is your super competitive nature and very consistent. If um, I know we're running short on time, let me ask you a couple of, by the way, for the listeners, before I forget, then I want to ask you some wrap up questions. So just so everybody understands, ventana.com, V-N-T-A-N-A, ventana.com. Ashley Crowder. You can also find her on LinkedIn and all over the web. And she's, there's, there's interviews everywhere. Right. And then there'll be this one too, which will probably, which this one will probably be the most famous, of course, you know, for a while yeah. anyway. <laughs> um, a couple more like wrap up questions here. As you look back on your early career, I mean, you're still, you're still young you know, compared to me anyway, but as you do look back now, if you could at this point call the 21 year old coming out of USC or however old you were coming out of that 21, 22 or whatever, if you could call that young lady, what would you tell her today? I would say, you know, I, I was so stressed about choosing my career for life. I feel like lots of people when they graduate, it's like, Oh, okay, this is my job. You have this, because you talk to you know older generations they stayed at the same company for 40 years and pension and i think that gave me so much anxiety and pressure and no you're gonna have at this point we're living to 100 ideally minus covid i don't even know but you're, you're gonna have multiple careers this the air vr 3d career didn't even exist back then you know my, my ideal job didn't exist yet and that's how fast the pace of technology is moving so just try things. I think people get paralyzed and are afraid to just go get that internship. You might hate it. That's fine. Go do it for, it's going to be, what's a year or, or right. three months. Um, but just get as many internships and jobs as possible. Just that's how you're going to figure out what you want to do. You know, I meant to pause you earlier when you, you talked about internships. Yeah. I really encourage, you know, juniors and seniors in high in college do do some interning. It will help you more than anything, figure out what you don't want to do. <laughs> right. Um, and then, uh, yeah, by the way, by the way, speaking of having multiple careers and trying to figure out what you want to do, my favorite part of your LinkedIn profile. So for anybody that looks you up, my favorite part, I know I, I've told you this before, right? You know what I'm going to say. My favorite part of my, of the LinkedIn profile, when you look up Ashley, is you go down through and you're like, wow, look at this founder, Ventana. Okay, cool. BP. You're like, wait, and then right, right here, so you, all of a sudden you see this ocean bar, ocean bar. You're like, ocean bar. Wait a minute. What is that? And then you see the title, light jockey, light jockey <laughs> at ocean bar, eight months. I love, I love the fact that you have that in there. That, that to me, what that says about you is it says, Hey, look, I'm a serious, hardworking very organized engineer type personality and I'm tenacious and I'm competitive and all these things. But there is just a little bit of part of me in there that likes to have a little bit of fun and keep it real. And so I'm going to keep light jockey on my LinkedIn profile. I love, I love that. <laughs> it, it was a really awesome job and it led me to where I am today. It's, it's it did. Thing on there, so. It did. It, it, right. If you hadn't, if that think, have you ever thought about your life that way? If that friend, hadn't said come be a hostess at this cool restaurant and club none of this might have happened yeah my parents thought i was insane at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. that's 
really cool. La last question. Last question. Whoops. Last question. If you had to um, put your core purpose to find, you know, core purpose into a sentence or two, Ashley's core purpose in life now, today, and you let's let's try to push it away from your immediate family. So let's call it the professional core purpose in life. How would you? What what would that sound like? Yeah, I mean, I do. I I try and do everything I can to bring other women up. I think there are not enough women founders, CEOs, not enough women getting funded, um, mm -hmm. not enough women in tech because it hasn't been welcoming for them. And so I try and do everything I can to get more women in the tech space, make them successful. I'm part of the Women AR VR group, which is amazing. There's over a thousand of us there. Cool. I'm part of a smaller group um, where we, we've made a pact every day. Uh, some person in the group says they want something shared and we all share it on LinkedIn and Twitter to help amplify each other. Um, and I'm happy to make any intros and, and recommendations. I just, I think, this is a whole new medium and I don't, we need enough women and minorities creating content in this new medium. So we don't have the same mistakes as, you know, the movie industry. And, right. Yep. Great. And I love it. By the way, speaking of powerful uh, women entrepreneurs, if you know of some that have a really cool story like yours for the writer flex podcast, please send them my way. <laughs> I will. But they I have will. to have, they gotta have they gotta, they gotta have just a little bit of a cool factor too, like little cool stories, you know, like the like the light jockey story, stuff like that. I like I love it, Ashley. I'm <laughs> I, I'm super happy for you. I mean, really great story, um, super inspirational. I, you know, thanks for sharing it with the listeners. I'm glad that you guys are really taking off now. Uh, you know, you're gonna be huge. You're gonna you're going to be huge. At, at some point, like later on, when you're like, I don't know, on the cover of Fortune magazine or something, I'm going to I'm going to ping you. I'm going to ping you and say, hey, don't forget about us little people. Don't forget about us small people. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for being on the Rider Flex podcast. I appreciate it. The Rider Flex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. Our show can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at riderflex.com or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening, and if you enjoy our show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes.